Hello, and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we've got Ty, we've got Jameson, and the college football season is officially over. National championship ends. The Georgia Bulldogs win the title uh, in dramatic fashion. And guys, look, I, I, I we need to get on with, the, with our season. We need to talk OU, and we're going to talk OU. Big portal moves, all that. But there's one person we need to talk to before the show moves on. The captain, Boaten Blake, TCU friend, uh, fan and friend of the pod. Uh, welcome on. Sorry about what happened to your frogs. But we really need to kind of wrap this thing up and uh, you were at the national championship game and we, we, we got to hear about what happened. So first of all, our, our, our commiserations with you and the frogs, congratulations on a great season. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, it sucks that it happens, but uh, look, you get the last word on this. What, what do you think? What, what, what are your thoughts on the game? Your feelings? What was all that like? Uh, yeah, like, I'm definitely of the TCU fan base. I am not at the point of, we had such a great season, like, be proud of our boys. I am not there yet, nor will I be for a long time now, because I know these last 12, 13 games might have been great, but that last one was horrendous. It was the worst game I've watched with my eyes. I told y'all in the podcast preview that I blacked out at the end of the Michigan game. I blacked out during this game, too, because we were just getting beat that bad. I could not differentiate between what happened on what big play Georgia ran against us to score touchdowns, because honestly, touchdowns were falling from the sky, just like the rain shooting into the side of SoFi Stadium with one of the most poor designs I've ever seen from a stadium. But we can maybe get to that. the TCU fans. That's that's the saddest part. Yes, like... A horrible, like, and I know sunny California, they don't get bad weather, yada, yada, yada. But the times you do, that stadium is cold, it's miserable, you get suckered into wearing things, you're like, it's indoors, I could wear indoor clothes. No, it's just like, it's open air, it's cold, it was rainy, the walk back from the rain is just like any other, like, stitch in the rain, the little kid from two and a half men in the rain. Like that was me walking back to my car as I just got dumped on. And I stayed the whole time. I stayed till the end. And it was just miserable. It was absolutely a misery of a game. Uh congrats to Georgia because they are just better. Like they're so like that's what sucks is people were doing the debate because everybody had to do every other debate while watching this game because this game was unwatchable. And one of those is, would you rather get blown out of the national title or a last-second heartbreaker? A last-second heartbreaker by a thousand percent. There is nothing worse than trying to figure out, like, at least last-second heartbreaker, you felt like you should be there. Like, TCU should be there, but that, it just is hard. It is hard to feel like this was a successful season after you just get blown out in the biggest moment of your program's history. Well, yeah, and that, and the fact that the narrative immediately shifted to TCU didn't belong there, and it, we should have put in Alabama instead, which I don't think people understand how playoffs work and how winning games work, because when you win a game, you advance to the next round. That's how it works. Um, the playoff committee didn't pick them to be in the national title. They, they were in their way there. So, and I, to- 
and I totally yeah. understand that when we're debating maybe the semifinal teams, the three, the four seed, like what kind of matchups are we going for? But not when you win the semifinal matchup. Like when you've earned the chance to be in the national championship like that, some styles just don't like just don't work. And Georgia's physicality and just overall better athleticism, better play calling, just better all around, like doesn't lead to a good matchup, I guess, for TCU. And like people just have to remember that is like there it is virtually impossible to craft a college football playoff that will have interesting games all the time just because college football is built like what makes it interesting is how stylistic and how different teams can be that can produce some horrendous matchups like I was talking to y'all in the text today it's like USC played Utah twice this year. Utah beats them both times because I think Utah is better suited to beat a team like USC. But that doesn't mean I think Utah is a better overall team than USC. Like, I think in a general matchup, I would take USC over Utah versus a different opponent. But it's like that matchup is just not meant for them. And that's kind of what happened with TCU. Like, this matchup was not meant for them. They were not meant to guard those two big tight ends. They were not meant... For Stetson Bennett, like, great game, but, like, he's just hitting open throws. Like, it was easy. Like, that's how, that's what's frustrating about it. We didn't make it hard for him. It was so easy. And then Lad McConkie, future Patriot slot receiver, just tearing us apart. Like, the Patriots can build a nice little offense off of this core of Stetson Bennett, Lad McConkie, and Brock Bowers for, like, the next 10 years. And I see it happening. You can get those guys in different rounds just because, like, it just feels like one of those teams of a kind of overlooked quarterback, a weird slot receiver that really shouldn't be that good, and then just, like, freak tight ends. I saw it all over again, and we just got our teeth kicked in because of that. <laughs> for sure. It almost, it really looked to me when I was watching, like, it just meant more for Georgia, uh, who did cover, by the way. <laughs> we like to talk about the, the betting angle. Uh, Georgia did they just did barely, they did cover. And- yeah, for those and they were projected, as the players said, to go six and six to start the season. Seven and five were Don't some generous, some <laughs> generous. So, uh, that was like a generous win total for that Georgia team, I guess, because they were really the underdogs of the season. That's what that's what we all know. They are the true scrappy dogs. That is the real. Kirby said, you know, he he recruits a certain type of player, you know, a certain type of player that can buy into his system and have that, you know, that Georgia bulldog in him to go out and work hard every single time. But also, you got to recruit a certain type of player that I just realized my mic's not even close at all to me. Um, a, a certain type of player that would be gullible enough to believe that kind of baloney. Honestly, it's it's just unbelievable, and everyone's going crazy talking about it on social media. I don't even know. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. My mic just fell off my table. This is great (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) And this is why I'm in a dark room right now, just sitting in a different area. So you know what? Screw this. I, I, this is just as least um, not as successful as if I tried to use that same argument that Kirby smart was using with y'all. Cause it just would not be effective. He's just a master gaslighter right there. I disagree. That's how, that's how these kids are nowadays. I, you guys don't spend a lot of time around uh, current college age kids. Uh, that's just how they are nowadays. They, they, uh, they. I mean, obviously, you know, we're not going to dive down this rabbit hole, but I feel like a lot of them sort of maybe like parrot some things because it's it was the same speech from the Georgia players. This the defending national champions who were ranked number one most of the season. Like the the consensus the entire season was that this was the best team in college football. 
are sitting there and telling you that no one ever believed in them and stuff like that. And it's like Bryce Young's Heisman speech last year. Like one of the greatest high school recruits of all time, the starting quarterback at Alabama. You cannot sit there as you win the Heisman and say that no one ever believed in you. You were a five-star dual threat, uh, you know, recruit. Like people believed in you long before you probably believed in you. It's it's kind of absurd. And I think that was really the worst thing that Georgia did to TCU this weekend was try to change the narrative and and take away the one thing that TCU had going for them, the the underdog story. So congratulations to Georgia, who was favored by almost two touchdowns uh, that no one respected apparently coming into this game. <laughs> But 52% of the fan vote, according to ESPN, had TCU. <laughs> yeah, Vegas ranked big. I know, like, there was heavy money line action on TCU, and they just raked big time for that. Oh, just stings. Even the big guys win in this. Like, it's just the, the big institutions win in this, not the small guys like us, not the... Not the people we really want to look after for in college football. It's just kind of the standard. The big brands, the big money wins. Like I saw yeah. Nick Saban was down on the field taking pictures with, I believe it was the Disney board or Disney investors. Like, of course, the SEC just leaning into the Disney angle. What's new? It's just this is called football like it was intended, I guess. But well, Yeah, Bob Iger was there. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Blake, Blake might make a run at him. <laughs> I do, I do want to remind uh, everyone listening, though, Blake is trying to play this TCU as innocent angle. Uh, Lincoln Riley was on the TCU sideline. So uh, it, there are some incriminating individuals involved with the TCU uh, staff and everything else at this Gary point. Gary Patterson well, so. was also there, too. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I feel like it was the whole time just, like, cursed individuals that were there. They were supporting TCU that game because Gary was there, Lincoln Riley was there, I think Jerry Kill was there. Like basically, all the ghosts of TCU's past were who was at that game and cheering on the frogs. And I don't know what that dealt with the energy wise, but yeah, it was just I I don't know when I knew it was going to be bad. I think maybe the fumble, uh, the fumble in the first quarter, but then we immediately get a touchdown back, and I'm like, okay, we can make this a game. But then after that, it was over. Like, I remember sitting there at halftime trying to commute, compute the math of how we come back. And I was just like, oh, Jesus. Like, we're, there's no way. <laughs> so I just got up out of my seat, bought me and my girlfriend some quesadillas, and just <laughs> sat down there and watched them pour it on us again in the second half. And, like, there were times where they were going for it on fourth and five. Like, Jesus, Kirby, just punt to us. Just leave us be. You beat us. But they just loved to it on and they get the right to do so like that's the national championship for you you want those style points there but like there was just no mercy this entire game i did not receive mercy nor have i received it in the coming days like none of those excuses or anything else like really comforts me the trolls aren't getting to me but i'm not comforted by how the season ended so i do want to say i've completely stayed off social media I, I just can't I would, but I had a long wait at the airport and I was bored and I decided to <laughs> hop on and that was the worst thing I could have ever done because then I got into just like the debates of the best versus the most deserving. Then I just had factions. I didn't know SMU fans existed. They were coming up being like, we SMU? have as many titles at Sunny Dykes. I'm like, what? This is bringing everybody out of the woodwork. Like... All of America was against us, and, like, that's the thing I hate about the national championship is 
there's so many casuals that come out and try to have college football takes, and they've watched maybe, like, two or three games a year. Like, the only way I'll ever respect your takes, and I don't even respect some of the people that watch college football all year round, but the only way you can come to my table is if you are a avid college football fan, you're watching the big guys, you're watching some of the small guys, you really understand the purity and the greatness of our sport. Like, that's the only way you're ever gonna, like... Yes, I will gatekeep. You can't just come in and say, like, you're totally wrong after I've seen these two games all year. Like, TCU didn't deserve it. I'm like, watch watch a game for once. Watch the semifinals. We just beat the Big Ten champion, like, that had a chance to make it. Like, don't don't ring up the complaint department with the Frogs. Go to Michigan. Go to the Sorry. other teams that played us this year. We, I'm hogging the mic right now, but I know a lot of TCU and Fort Worth people that came out of the absolute bushes out of nowhere for this game. Like, oh, I know like that. The, like, that's that, that's that, our like, entire the, fan everyone base. Everyone who showed up. That's that's our entire fan base. But I'm saying the people that are going to attack us, I'm going to gatekeep against you the entire sport because you've got to watch it. You've got to understand the nuances. You've got to understand the teams that are built at the end. You can't just come in and see one game and be like, oh, this this system really sucks. Like, no, like it produced the best college football playoff semifinals we've ever seen this year. And like, it's just... If you have a problem with TCU beating, being there, have a problem with everybody else that Georgia beat this year. They had a chance to beat Georgia. They had a chance to be there, and just nobody could. So I, I will I don't say, know what to tell those people. I will say it is kind of funny watching Blake, who you know traditionally has been an underdog type of guy, and now being on the other side of a historic, embarrassing loss like this. When usually when OU, when this happens to OU, he's over there impishly giggling and having a good time. And now, unfortunately, he knows what it's like to be in that seat where all the, you know, little, you know, all the little trolls, all the little imps from SMU and all the, you know, little, you know, the, the, the underlings of college football slinging mud at you. It's not fun, is it? <laughs> it isn't, but it's also like the context is slightly different just because it's like, TCU, I didn't even expect to be in this position my entire life, so after seeing how it happened once, like, I I know some people feel positive about this, I think this is gonna be great for our program, I don't think it's compete for a national championship every good type great for our program, and so I recognize kind of the historical significance of this moment, whereas like a team like OU, I feel comfortable to say TC or OU is gonna play for multiple national championships in my lifetime and could possibly win one like i don't i cannot say that about tcu like this tcu squad was something super 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 special and it was like a very special sauce that i don't think you could just easily replicate like there's not a clear like there's not a clear path recruiting wise like you had a lot of guys that were two three star guys step up you had a quarterback that was and kind of an absolute like, I wrote him off. I didn't want Max Duggan to start at the end of the year, step up and be a runner-up for the Heisman. And then you had these great coaches, Joe Gillespie and uh, Garrett Riley, that I think are probably going to be head coaches in the next few years. Like, there was something very, very special about this team, and only I think this team could have reached the national championship. Could it happen again for TCU? Yes, like, I didn't expect this year to happen, so, like, I need to stop being foolish into thinking that it couldn't happen again, but is it likely? Probably not. Like, it's, we're gonna be, I think, really good in the new Big 12 and be a consistent playoff participant in the new 12-team 
however they're doing it just because like you get that spot but will we make it this far in my lifetime i just i doubt it like i doubt it like it's just so hard to replicate this for a small school like us whereas a georgia and alabama clemson ohio state I, i'm not gonna put michigan in there but ou who's kind of been there before and gets the talent year in and year out like that's obviously going to give you more chances at the crown well, I'll say this, it, 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 it lost in all of this. It's year one of, of Sonny Dykes. You know, this is a new thing, you know, up until this year, they've been dealing with the same guy who brought them from, you know, the, the whack to where they are now, you know, TCU is in a drastically different place overall. And, you know, geographically, they're at an advantage being in Fort Worth. Uh, I feel like facility wise, they're there, they're doing really well. So, it, it's hard to call it an outlier when it's year one of a process. So I, I'm interested to see their future going forward, where they go from here. Um, I, I think if anything, and obviously times are different, um, they can take solace in stuff like, you know, for example, like Miami in the eighties, what they, what they did, small private school, big market, um that was able to really put things together and make a run and string things together and i as you can see from what tcu has done in the portal so far and has done kind of in recruiting and what dykes has been getting done you know there i i could i i wouldn't be so quick to say this will never happen again um i think tcu uh is in a position for long-term success there, there is a path uh so to say yeah and i definitely do agree there like to compare us to our rivals in Baylor, like, I feel like TCU has definitely capitalized on the success a little bit better. Like, we've seen Baylor do some great things under Dave Aranda and Matt Rule kind of beforehand, but you never really saw it in the recruiting classes. You didn't see it in the transfer portal. But TCU, I feel like, brought in a great recruiting class, a top 20 class. I think we're pinning one commit, but top 20 class. We got a top 15 transfer portal class coming in. Like, we're good there. It's just next year is going to be, we have every guy declaring for the NFL draft. A lot of unknowns. So be looking forward to that Big 12 preview because it's going to be interesting. <laughs> because like this year, TC is just a whole bunch of question marks going into next. For sure. I think... I think Blake brings up an interesting point, and and I think it I think it presents a very clear course of action for TCU really. Uh, and and to understand this course of action, let's just quick recap the things that, that Blake has said. Obviously, tremendous uh, first year under Sonny Dykes. No one can dispute that. But then, like like he said, there's just so much uncertainty going forward with this program in the near term, and then in the medium and potentially in the long term. That you look at, you know, can a system positioned as TCU maintain uh, this relevance. I think we're all predicting sort of that they're not going to make a national championship appearance next year. Uh, so it, it almost seems to me like a, you know, they should just fire Sonny Dykes right now. Cause it's like a never meet your heroes situation. Like he's, it's only going to get worse. You're just going to go on this slow bleed situation. Like remember the first year when he took us to the natty, like we're six and six now, but next year is the one. I think they should just part ways now and uh, you know, you know, then you can always have that, you know, what if it's, it's, it's the the potential, you know, it's, it's that always sunny uh, scratch off. You never scratch the scratch off because in, until you scratch it, it's never a loser. Oh, uh, it's, so, yeah, I think TCU should fire Sonny Dykes right away. It's my destiny because like the older generation before me, when I was saying fire Gary, fire Gary, they're like, 
but what is it like he's done all this for us which is like granted it's true i see this being like if sunny dyke stays at tcu that's gonna be me but like remember the time he took us to the natty like no other coach can do that like i'm kind of destined for that now like i was a big sunny dykes fan whenever we hired him i've like I love Sonny Dex as a coach, and so I'm just destined for that that life now. That 15 years on deadline where we have some good moments, but maybe it's on the uh, the rockier side. I'm gonna still be defending him to the death. A, a, a Dykes loyalist, I, I like it. Um, so look, before we move off this topic, uh, obviously love talking about TCU, but we got to talk about the champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, and the way they won this and I'm, I want to ask Jameson this specifically, did this, did this kind of put to an end, you know, the whole, is there any way to win a championship if you don't have the amount of talent that a Georgia has, that an Alabama has? It, what, how, how much do you think, uh, do you think like the despair, the, the, uh, sorry, the disparity in recruiting was really like the difference or do you think it was something else as well, Jameson? Yeah, they were completely out, physically matched uh you know there's going to be teams that are top 10 top 15 recruiting you know that are on the level still of georgia who's like a consistent number one number two landing guys in really really you know zones that have a lot of young athletes that are really talented but tcu is just a very different from what we've seen in the past we haven't seen a team like this go out and compete and go on for a national championship so it's just very, very unique that even though like they've recruited well in terms of TCU standard, like getting Quentin Johnston was huge, like a flip from Texas, like right on, I think it was on unofficial signing day uh, or an early signing day um, was a giant thing. And this guy's going to be a first round pick. So like not all, you know, big high end four stars, five stars turn into first round picks. So they just kind of everything fell into their their laps with this, and it ended up not working in the championship game. But I, I don't think it's like you can only be top three in recruiting; those guys are going to win every single year. The jump that TCU made, like Blake, what was TCU's recruiting ranking the past couple of years? Is it in like the thirties or something? Thirties, like yeah, even 30s like and- worse coming in this year with Gary leaving. So like your top classes were maybe touching like high twenties, like maybe. So it's. It's not like a you're stuck if you're not Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State who are consistently at the top. That that that's just too much of a jump here to make. I still think guys that are at the number ten, the number twelve, can still hit on these three star guys who turn into really good players. Like go look at the NFL right now, and go look at the all pro players from last se- um, season, and look how many of them are five stars. There are so many players that come up and develop through. Um, the college ranks and become really, really good players. And so even though I think stars are very, very highly correlated to how well you do, there's always going to be anomalies here and there that are going to push people towards championships in the future. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet up to $10. The action's so good, so why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? 
Every time I'm able to, I absolutely love using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's smooth, it's easy, easy payouts, easy to use, love the same game parlay situation, and, you know, it, it, it just could not be better. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 and free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Back to the Schooner Pod. For sure. And I mean, anomaly number one is Stetson Bennett, you know, who, you know, is, who was incredible for Georgia. But that's the thing to me is it was like, not only was it the stars, but you also have to have to have the coaching talent. Kirby Smart, what he has done, the program he has built at Georgia is, to me, the best in college football by far. Um, he ended his, uh, his, you know, press, press availability on national championship night, giving a shout out to his scout team who perfectly replicated TCU's three, three, five defense. In fact, he went as far as saying they did it or they ran it better than they did it. So to me, like that holistic view of a program along with the talent is like, that is how you win a title. And it, it begs the question to me, and I'm going to ask Ty this, uh, to kick us off, is Georgia the new like they're they obviously won the title they won they've won back to back but have they unseated Alabama firmly as the program in college football? Uh, no, I don't think so. I I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that that's that that's a no. Um, I I did have a quick I'll loop back to that. I had a quick point on the on the sort of the stars. And everything else, we also have to look at how the champion is being determined now. I, I think that currently it is a worse situation for a team like TCU or for a team like, say, 2017 OU, where they're the underdogs and they are a bit lacking in star power compared to the other team that they're facing. They're a bit lacking in size and everything else. It's basic statistics that. If someone's an underdog, they're not expected to, they're not supposed to win by conventional thinking. It's basic statistics that the more games that that underdog has to play to win the national championship, the less likely it's going to be that they're going to win it. So I, I almost think that this TCU team, if it were back in, say, BCS system and they didn't lose to, to K-State, you know, and this TCU team was coming in at second against a number one Georgia and that was the matchup, I think we would have seen a very different score. I think we would have seen uh, maybe a, a better chance for TCU to win because, you know, the people aren't getting worn down by the size and all the other factors. But again, it's just a basic, you know, upsets can only happen so much. And, and as we expand, not to sound anti-expansionist for the playoff, but as we expand, the odds just get worse and worse for these underdog teams because now they got to go through, you know, two layers of playoff where they have to upset if you're third you know, the upset team in the first round, they're going to be the upset team in the second round and they're going to be the upset team in the natty. So it's, it's just getting worse and worse for those underdog teams. But I think, um, quick, quick note on uh, that. What was think, the, yeah. think about, think about what TCU's route to the playoff would have been if the 12 team playoff was in fact, this in effect this year, they would have had to open at home against Tulane, which we know they're dangerous. They're scary. And then the next round they play Utah and then, all of that, if they win those two games, then you play Georgia uh, in the semifinal. So the path is going to be brutal for pretty much everybody if you don't win your conference championship. I feel I feel that road would have still been okay for TCU and the talent that they had this year. 
it's not that it's not doable. It's just I, no, I it's feel just, like it's it's, it's definitely it's more tough. grinding. It's TCU, it's similar to March yeah. Madness. Whenever you open up more opportunities to lose, you well, have, TCU like, would have won both those games, but they would have been twice as worn down, and they would have given Georgia twice as much game film. You know, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. and people want to relate it to basketball all the time, and I think I've said this ad nauseum on this podcast. It's not like basketball. Basketball, you can get hot from the three point line. And these tiny little teams, Max Abmus or Oral Roberts and Blowbob makes <laughs> goes crazy and they make a run. And that you just can't do that in football. It's a physical sport with 11 players on the field where every single down snap at the snap, there's five big offensive linemen hitting your defensive lineman in the face. You can't just avoid and run around the three-point line and get hot and get your players in foul trouble on the defensive end in their star center for Kansas or whoever isn't playing. Like, it's a completely different game. There's no foul trouble in football. There's no getting mm-hmm. hot in football. So upsets are extremely difficult. So adding yeah. a bigger playoff, the smaller guys, yes, it is going to be harder. I just want – I mean, I'm giving props to TCU this year. I just think that – I think Tulane, obviously people are going to talk a lot about they – were, they were good this year. But, you know, beating USC is going to make them a little bit better because that team was perfect for them. Absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. If you were looking at um, Tulane, they said – if I want to play in New Year's Six Bowl, what of all these opponents would I want to play, assuming everyone's not going to opt out for a game? And they pick USC because you know that their their defense is soft and Tulane's a physical football team. So, yeah, I, they matched up really well versus them. And Utah obviously was a little bit banged up, and the way that they looked in the Rose Bowl wasn't you know the best. So I And in TCU, we just can't forget about how good they played this season. They played really damn good. They had one bad game. That K-State game was still a good game. They played a good game. K-State's just a very good football team. I just yeah, think the, yeah, the K-State one game bullet. we could have won. We easily For sure. Could've Should won. have won if you had QB sneaked and pushed, which y'all ended up doing or we had, in the semis. We had him in the end zone. I'm talking more about second overtime. Like, I assume K-State scores and... Kendra Miller it's, was it's in the end about, zone, but it it's doesn't. It's sneaking. You can you can talk about that, and camera angles are unreliable. Obviously, we. I feel like the the there's one camera angle where everyone's showing the picture of Michigan not fumbling before getting getting to the one yard line, and not getting the touchdown. But then there's another camera angle where he's clearly short. So it's so hard with these kind of like diagonal cameras where I don't have yeah. a full you know no. perfect angled um, snapshot. So it's hard to really say for sure because I guarantee you ESPN and Disney had views of that that we couldn't see. They need to use like the VAR situation with, um, you know, college football where they just give you a full digital view of everyone's like everybody. You know, if, put, if I put, saw put Nick Saban go like this with the square, I would like throw up in my mouth. <laughs> It'd be great. I wasn't saying emotion, but oh my to be fair, it is a sport where people toss I... tiny flags on the field whenever they want to look at something. So I will oh, say, I yeah, not to not to diminish soccer fans or football fans, but do it. Okay. Thank goodness that's well, I'm not okay. I'm not trying to make them sound less fanatical. They're just ridiculously fanatical, but 
thank goodness that things like flares are not allowed in, in college football because <laughs> oh uh, some schools will be a problem if they could have pyrotechnics and stuff. In, in the some stand. schools are already a problem without it. That's what I'm saying. Tennessee was mustard chucking bottles. mustard bottles. Like they just go to the nearest whatever's in the concourse and start throwing on the field. <laughs> T- Tennessee fans with, with like, with, with relative, what would you even call a flare? That's not not that's not really a firearm, is it? Well, it's a pyrotechnic device. Yeah, pyrotechnic, yeah. pyrotech. Tennessee fans with handheld pyrotechnics, horrible idea. Texas Tech fans. Well, so in in the bad. University of Tennessee's defense, it is basic economics that having a stadium that large is going to drive down ticket prices to where who knows who is getting in. Uh, so there is there is also that situation, but of course, of course. But um, I kind of want to loop back to that that question, I guess. Yeah, we completely went off. Which is what was the first question you asked me? Uh, it, it was it was mainly about it was, it was about Alabama and per- particularly oh, oh, yeah, right, yeah. No, I think <laughs> I think college football is very cyclical right now, and I think what we saw from Georgia was a a better version. I I think they have a great, great system. It's just, they're in such a difficult conference uh, for, for all of that stuff for recruiting and for, uh, for going through and and winning, you know, having a conference championship game, having these difficult opponents. uh, You have to remember Georgia did not perform like this in every game this season. I'm not saying they were the underdogs or anything, but we're talking about a team that uh, had a less impressive win over Kent state than OU did. Uh, so we we have to keep that in mind in, in looking at the season. But I, I don't think I, I really I don't I think Saban is probably close to retirement, honestly. But I don't think that oh, yeah. anyone Very usurps close. I don't think anyone usurps Bama uh, until Nick Saban leaves. Um, also, we saw some really good things. I, mm, I don't know because I, I think I, I here's my thing. I think that Saban has done so much in the sport and continues to not only recruit, but develop people and coaches at the rate that he's doing. I think if Saban has two more years in the sport and Georgia wins the natty both of those years somehow, I think there's still a fair argument that uh, say obviously you know how that panned out would come into play. That would be the primary thing. But I think you can make an argument that as long as Saban is at Alabama, you know, short term, if he overstays, you know, just can't give it up, uh, Tom Brady's situation – then maybe a different thing. But I think in the near term, I think Bama is still for certain the preeminent program in in college football. Even with Kirby coming in and, and establishing his his great system, I don't think they're going to out-recruit Bama. I don't think that they're – I they're not out-developing Bama. Um, I think, yeah, so. they are out-developing Bama. Kirby has been sucked. Like, or not sucked, but sucked for their standards. Well, they had like a young, young team. They had I, a young – That's the thing is, like, they had the best left, quarterback so. – they had okay. their best quarterback in program history, in my opinion, and couldn't do anything with them because they couldn't develop guys, or they just I, I see the what you're saying. Guys who they recruited just missed. Like I'm talking missed. about developing from like in high school to like when they depart the Bama system. Yeah. It's obviously you know when they're in the system. There's, there's yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think Alabama still. Yeah, they're not bad. I'm not saying they're bad, but my thing is well, yeah. what. We we've seen a slippage. You just look at their discipline. Uh, how many penalties they got this season on false starts? The minor details. The way they're set up right now with Pete Goulding and Bill O'Brien 
if they continue this way, they are absolutely Bill set. gone. Yeah, There's Bill no O'Brien's gone. He stays. Yeah, surely he's out. Um, Goulding, maybe, probably not as hot on, on a hot seat, but Alabama needs to make this next hire they make with, I hate that we're talking about Alabama here, but if they don't make adjustments, then yeah, Georgia's the better program right now because they are better right now. Um, but Alabama Georgia- can get there quick. Alabama could get there quick if they make the right coordinator. I don't decision. know. I think I think I, next year when when Bama has Cliff Kingsbury as an OC. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like it's gonna happen. That's not a horrible Cliff, idea. Cliff Kingsbury and, and Matt Rule on Cliff, on the Bama staff. Ooh. Wait, you just, Matt Rule what, is hired. I'm, Cliff, I'm doing it. Saban's gonna find his way to Jedi mind trick him into going to Bama to be an hey, analyst. If, hey, if I could choose being an analyst about Bama coaching or... coaches that just signed from different places, <laughs> like like they they they've done it. So I mean, it's not impossible. Oh my God, it's my thing is I I I, I think what Georgia has right now holistically is just is a better program at the moment. But Alabama, look, they're they're stones throw away from correcting it. But but what see we... the thing the thing is about Bama. They have to go through the SEC West, and like it was a down year, but now you got a you you have to play Tennessee, so you have to play Tennessee once a year. You have to play LSU with Brian Kelly, who has proven to beat you and is solid. Arkansas solid, Mississippi State solid. Like they have a lot of good teams compared to look Texas at A&M. Arkansas, Ole Miss. <laughs> like they're solid teams, but look look at Georgia's schedule next year. They play Tennessee, and that's about it. Like, you don't – like, Georgia has to prepare for Alabama in the SEC championship game. Alabama has to prepare week for week for some of these teams that are in their conference. Like, Lane Kiffin, I think Ole Miss is overrated as hell, but he fields good teams too. It's like the SEC West is so strong that Kirby Smart gets an inherent advantage that he can wait till the final game of the year, really. Or it's not even that. Like we saw last year, wait till the final game of the year, lost, and then beat them in the national championship. Like Georgia has the inherent advantage now till some of these SEC East teams correct themselves because all we have right now is an SEC, or so we have Tennessee, who I don't know what they're going to be without Hinton Hooker. Who knows? And then. Who else after that? Like Florida's not very good. Kentucky, Dumb. I just like Kentucky's. I think bad. Like I've said, they'll be better without Will year. Levis, right? Bad, yeah, probably. <laughs> honestly, a little bit better without Will Levis. But like, they just go up against such trash all year that they can wait for these big games. They got Devin Leary I'll, now, right? I'll yeah. say this though. Yes, yes, they did. I, I'll say this though. That might be only one problem. A problem for one year. Honestly, with OU and Texas coming, who knows what yeah. the conference realignment is going to look like. We don't pods, know if it's going to be pod system. Is it, is it going to be, are we going to shift some of the SEC West teams over to the East to make room for OU and Texas? Uh, it, there's going to be some work there, and that's going to change this thing. So Georgia's time in the sun in the SEC East might be only one more year. Because, yeah, which, by the way, the two West teams that would shift over are uh, Alabama and Auburn. So not exactly two teams you want to welcome into your safe haven of uh, mediocrity. No way um, the SEC conference would do that, though, right? Just if we're, if we're talking geography, pods, we're talking they're geography. Pods. They're doing it's, some it's, sort of pods. It's going to be like the, rivalries. It's going to be the three protected rivalries, and then you rotate it around because I, I believe Georgia has not been to Texas A&M yet. 
No, it's wild. like the one. Yeah, it's the weird. The the SEC scheduling sucks right now. Yeah, and how it's it not operates. Good. Like they're the most passionate like college football conference. Like there's that's undeniable. But yet you don't play most of the teams that are in the actual conference, which makes no sense to me. Like you want to build that trash talk between all the fan bases, and yet you could be alive for ten years and not see see multiple matchups between those teams. I'll say this also, speaking of scheduling, we still don't have the Big 12 schedule yet. Uh, Blake, I got to ask you, looking ahead, you know, kind of funky, thinking we only have one more year of OU and Texas in the Big 12, but what teams, what what games, if you were, if you were, you know, in your marks here, trying to per, like per, perfect the perfect uh, schedule for the Frogs, uh, who do you want to see of the new teams? And uh, who do you want to see of uh, the departing ones? What? Do, what? What? How would OU, you? Oh, you! I want to see OU. I want one last game in Norman. I really, really, really want that. Even though this year it went out on a good note, I enjoyed the back and forth, and so I want one more year in Norman to watch TCU OU. However that goes, it goes. What uh, if they make us go to Fort Worth again? I would be so. I would kind of. Or I wouldn't be pissed about it because I'd go. But like, I just want. I I got enjoyed. One. I enjoyed the back and forth of the Big Twelve, and like that's what's gonna suck now is it's not that. Uh, teams I want BYU at home. I don't want BYU away, but we dominated them in the uh, in the Mount West, and I'm ready to have that back again. Uh, I'm not going to that stadium probably ever. <laughs> and so, like, why would uh, you? I, there is absolutely no point. I know Ty has some different. Uh, it's in a cool spot. S- there's a lot of other cool spots around America before I go to Provo, <laughs> Utah. I'd rather just go on a ski trip to Salt Lake City and watch it at the hotel you could. TV. It's right. It's right there. But yeah, I want BYU kind of protected rivalry going into it, and then OU one last one song. Ty wants to go to at Houston, right? Do they even have a stadium or is it at, at the <laughs> <Just> at NRG? <laughs> I, I've heard the rumors. Hey, I mean, hey, hey, Houston's, Houston's yes, in good is. company. USC is the mecca of college football. They don't even have their own stadium. <laughs> the rumor I don't I've heard think is Cincy, that... Does Cincy have their own stadium? That's not a joke. Cincy I, does. I legitimately... They do? Yes, they, they yeah, have. That's... Both of them have their own stadiums. The rumor is that OU is going to go to Nippert. I've seen that from some like Cincy blogs, stuff like that. That that's set. Texas is going. We've been to Houston. there and done that in this like um, in the 21st century, though. That sucks. Oh, uh, we didn't play at Nippert. We played at the uh, at the Bengal Stadium. Oh, you're right. Oh, come. That's on. the funny thing is we played three of the you're incoming right. four, and each time has been at a bigger NFL stadium because their current stadiums are not big enough. If we could do, oh dream, yeah, so you haven't uh, played UCF, okay? UCF is the one we had. No, go ahead, Ty. I'm sorry. I if I could do it, if I the Big Twelve has the poll, it would be a matter of whether or not they would want to do it and could get the the ads on board. I'm sure Cincinnati wants OU to come to their stadium, but OU versus Cincy in like Chicago or something would be so cool. <laughs> I so basically, why, why wouldn't they give us Cincinnati. UCF? With Dylan Gabriel, like like money, money, story. yeah, money. They don't want to give. Money. What story is that? That is Gabriel not marketable. Yeah. Gabriel, no, but playing it, his, 
on a Thursday night, people would do oh, it. Oh, yes, that is, that, is, that is that is marketable right there. Let's watch Billy Gabriel <laughs> play in a game with both teams he failed at. That would be crazy. <laughs> they don't the Big oh, Twelve God. the Big Twelve is trying to kneecap OU by not letting us go play a cool matchup in the state of Florida where we're trying to establish recruiting. That's what this it is. Was a, not a to sell transition to our OU talk. They're gonna, and they're I gonna will banish be... us from so, Florida because they know it's too beneficial for us. I will leave this as my th- final thought, and I'll transition off, and you can go back to your usual schooner pod content. But, Ty, how do you feel about pro football focus rating Dylan Gabriel as the best quarterback in the Big 12? And you can reject. You can get me off of here now, Bobby. I want to hear Ty's response. All right. Shows you how Wait. overrated Max Duggan was, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Blake literally, Wait, Blake literally well, said I'm going to take this off the air. First time caller. No, you gotta stay for the response. It's a simple, it's a simple response, really. You you like you answered your own question in saying pro football talk rated him this. It's a pro football is not real. It's like the WWE. Like they're they're saying <laughs> things to be inflammatory. They're saying things that, that they know are wrong to get people to click. It's all just to get the clicks and the views, right? It's clickbait, it's it's less come eat from my little hand as someone once said. <laughs> um yeah, it's just fodder. I, pro football people don't know anything about actual football. It's just a bunch of mercenaries out there uh, who who are playing not for the love of the oh game. So. Incredible, incredible. Well, Blake, okay. hey, thank you for coming on and uh, you know sharing your your your. I know this probably wasn't easy, um, but thank you for coming on the entire season, and we we look forward to having you on in the off season as well. Um, but um, yeah, great stuff as always. Thank you for sharing your your, your I guess your misery. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I all told right. I I I thought I was only going to be on here for fifteen minutes, and somehow ended up as forty five. But that's kind of the weekend spread schooner pod type style. So this is the way. This, this is the way. The way. But yeah. thank y'all so much. Have a good one. Absolutely. See you, Blake. All right, now we pivot back to more of our schooner pod. Uh, standard conversation. Look, we've been away from a while for a while, guys. We haven't uh, had a chance to really talk about OU football since the Cheese It Bowl. Uh, we're not going to break down the Cheese It Bowl. There's no reason no. to break down the no. Cheese It. Listen to Bobby's uh, breakdown directly after the game. It was OU so already down. broke down. Yeah, <laughs> OU broke down during the game. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, hey, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, no, I'm we. Proud we of them. I, I I stumbled through a cheese at bowl re, uh, recap. It wasn't great. That's what we'll leave it at because there are bigger fish to fry. We're on to team 129. Um, and Jameson, gotta say, transfer portal looking pretty solid. It's crazy whenever you have a lot of depth issues in the transfer portal, how much it can give to you. People were saying that we had no problem with at the wide receiver position. What? Like, really? We have no depth there. And it was showed that we barely played three or four of our wide receivers the whole year because we didn't have enough trust in some of our guys. And Marvin Mims going off to the NFL showed you even more. We need wide receivers. And we went out and we are moving. And obviously getting the new Michigan transfer uh that was a much needed move even though he isn't the splashiest guy but like andrew anthony is still a guy that was sought after by other big schools in the transfer portal so people liked him as a depth piece um as an option and we're continuing to recruit and try to get more wide receivers 
Uh, Tyron Broden from Bowling Green, a big name and another a very big bodied wide receiver that we're going after. Um, seems like we've been a lean for for a while, but he came out recently and said that he isn't committing yet. So makes me think, are there other targets out there that we're going after? I think, you know, getting a new head co- um, wide receiver coach, Emmett Jones shows you, could we get someone from Texas Tech? I understand the Brent Venables way is to not poach, but there's going to be wide receivers that had a really good bond with him because he's a really good coach and has a strong attitude that are going to want to follow him because he knows how good they are. And you don't want to be in a new coaching system again whenever you're an old veteran. You want to be with the same guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start looking at Texas Tech's wide receivers. I love a good little poach from Cactus Gang. That'd be pretty nice. And like, yeah, no, we're if- not looking for like a superstar wide receiver. I, I want to. I want to go out and say that too. People are looking for these splash kids. Like, are these guys going to be these game changer wide receiver ones? No, no. Think like best case scenario, like a Theo Howard, kind of how he was. You know, yeah. he was a wide receiver three, and when we got him a transfer, you know, he's a highly rated recruit. Um, but he didn't splash as much, but he still made some plays. Um, but Jalil Farouk's going to be wide receiver one, and he's going to shine. Uh, I, there's just not going to be a guy in the portal that hasn't already established himself that wants to leave and come to Oklahoma. We're not a person that could attract a Xavier Worthy. We're not a person that could attract you know, uh, Jordan Addison type of players. Th- those people already go prearranged, not because of portal communication, behind the scenes to their destination we need the like mike woods type of guys so yes he was was a he was a great transfer and arkansas really thought that they lost like a really good wide receiver at that time they said that he might have been the best wide receiver on the roster and Traylon burks was on that roster that shows you how much they thought of mike woods so um we continue to chip away and get depth Make it where our wide receivers can play five or six deep. Can we get some rotations in this offense? Because we, now that Marvin Mims is gone, and I, I would think that we don't have as much established, like this guy has to play almost every single down. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Ty, when I asked, you know, with Mims gone, Gabriel coming back, what are, what are kind of your thoughts on the, on the state of, um, you know, the OU passing game, both from a quarterback perspective, you know, wide receiver, you know, look, you, you do got Austin Stogner coming back. You got Mike Stoops, Mike Stoops, what am I saying? Uh, yes, Mike Stoops, Stoops is returning. My God, I hope us. not. Oh God, I hope <laughs> yes. not. You got, you got Drake Stoops coming back. Uh, and then obviously uh, Jackson Arnold coming in to back it up. What are your thoughts on everything? I, I, I we, we obviously know you've, you've had your takes on Dylan Gabriel are you kind of optimistic about the uh, roster right now? So if there's one thing I, I know for sure about college football that is a credible take, it's that when you're looking at depth charts as a whole, the one thing you never know until the season starts is how that wide receiver depth chart is going to pan out. It is a constant on OU. It's a constant on every team ever that people are going to surprise you. Wide receiver, because it's such a flashy position as well, uh, is one of those positions where people always surprise you. People always show out every single year. So I really think it's 
it would be predictable if you're watching the the practices and everything else. But I think as a as a fan, as someone that's not getting sort of insider information, you could almost put all of the names up there on the dirt. We know we're going to see production from Stogner, like we talked about, my boy. We know we're going to see production from Drake Stoops. We know we're going to see production from some of the recurring names that we've heard. But I think you can take all the rest of the names, throw them up on a dartboard, and throw a dart on it, and and you would probably have as likely of a take as any one of us would have, because it's just one of those positions where it is very sink or swim uh, for sure. Obviously all of college football is at this level, but for receivers specifically, there is always an opportunity to show out because they rotate in, they rotate in and out so much as well. And it's a position where you can still succeed. Maybe if you're not the biggest guy yet, which really, you know, that hurts younger running backs. For example, you can still succeed if you are lower in the depth chart, you know, quarterbacks, there could, there are a lot of quarterbacks that just perform excellently in games. And it just doesn't really translate that much in, in practice. You know, they don't look that great in practice, but then they show up when the pressure's on. And then there's guys that are great in practice and don't show up uh, when the pressure's on at, at quarterback, but quarterbacks don't rotate, you know, wide receivers uh, constantly rotating through. So people get a chance. So, I, it's, I know it's a non-answer to your question, Bobby, but I, I don't know, but I'm very excited to find out, and I think that that everyone should be. And I think you could copy and paste this answer and slap it on any team in college football because it's just that exciting of a of a position uh, in, in college football as a whole. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sorry, we um, – yeah, no, I, I agree. So – We've talked about kind of the flashy, you know, big, exciting pieces, but I feel like OU has also done a really good job of shoring up the defensive line um, Mm -hmm. in the portal. Uh, Jacob Lacey, an early ad, but also the rare bedlam flip with Trace Ford and then uh, the Wake Forest DN, Rondell uh, Bothroyd, who was a captain uh, this season, also in. But of course, we can't talk about D-line transfers without talking about Devon Spears, a transfer D-tackle from Texas State. We have a Boco pipeline in action. Devon Spears comes in. It's, it's, oh, you it's, sent a couple guys out. On his name. We're a first name podcast. Oh, what? Is it not Devon Sears. Spears? It's Sears. Sears. My it's God. Like, like, Sears. Sears. My God. I, I just oh. want to put respect. Usually I'll let that fly and then just say, oh, well, people understand. But this is respect. We got to put respect on our Boco native. Oh, for sure. Yeah, got it. You're right. My my apologies, Mister Mister Sears. My, and my, shout my, out my Josh bad. Eaton. Josh Eaton, newest member yeah. of Texas State. So look at us. Look, it's great. I'll have people to cheer for for next year. Yeah, but defensive line much needed. Another position like, what are we gonna do? We have no depth at this position. Man, was our pass rush bad. And we went out and we said, okay, I get you. So let's go out and get some pass rushers. Trace Ford. Man, we knew when he was healthy. Obviously, he's been hurt for about like a year and a half now. Can't really stay healthy. But man, was he a force earlier in his career at, at um, rushing the passer. And whenever we saw him in his freshman year flash, and, you know, a little bit of sophomore year, all Oklahoma high school football fans were looking at OU and Lincoln Riley like, what did you do? Like, that was just a whiff. This is a huge OU fan. And you didn't recruit him, and now he's popping off for OSU. 
it doesn't really look good on you. And that was another year where you, you didn't go after Colin Clay too. And another guy that was looking good early. So that was a big time getting all OSU fans that are disowning him. I, that's a huge conversation. Screw off. Come on. It's not his fault. He wants to go out and do what's best for him. He's not thinking about the fans and making this decision. He's going to make the best business decision for him because it's a business. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. It is a business. He's going to do what's best for him. Stop thinking selfishly about yourself, fans. Stop thinking about, I superimpose all of my pride in my years upon years of watching this program. That kid didn't have that. That kid showed up on campus in Stillwater and started a new love and produced a lot of good plays for y'all in his couple years there. Um, but he didn't grow up being a Poke fan. He doesn't have that pride and all of that things that you're talking about. He had that with OU. And so he went out and he said, OU is going to put me in a better position to succeed because OSU is a fire in terms of the portal. Man, there are people running everywhere. Um, and he went and he went to a situation where OU really needs a pass rusher that can get after the quarterback. So we had almost zero of it last year. And it's his favorite team growing up. So damn right he's going to go there. Stop thinking about yourself, OSU. Fans. And I'll say the I'll say this with OSU. I feel like the common thread with them is they're like the nicest people in the world until something with Bedlam comes into play. Then they are just like pretty intense, pretty just they 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 turn to they turn feral in a way. They that 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 sets them off, and then they go to the trash type of fans that all of us are, uh, but maybe not that bad. They, they, they basically turn into Texas Tech fans anytime Bedlam is involved. I like how Texas Tech is the new like placard for Ooh. like grading. <laughs> hey, speaking of Texas Tech and OSU, Alan Bowman, Oklahoma State quarterback. Look at him go. I know, I know Ty wants to talk about his Ty, I need to hear the Iron Lung. The Iron Lung is back, Ty. He's back in the Big 12, baby. Is he my is he my my boy? I don't think he's your boy, but you <laughs> no, like talking just, about it's been so like, long. It's been so yeah, long. I, any, any college I quarterback. Yeah. Any college quarterback who's played at three plus programs is automatically just hilarious. So especially when it's all like good programs. Like he didn't go do the the JUCO thing and then float around at, at JUCOs. I mean, this guy is quarterback at, at tech and then Michigan and now Oklahoma State, uh, where I get, presumably I guess he's gonna be their their starter, probably. With Sanders I, don't what, so, I don't know what Spencer Sanders is gonna do. Like, knows. I mean, the new go? hey, the new vogue in college football is to just appoint your son the quarterback, regardless of outcome, and the media will eat it up, and and they'll start <laughs> dark horse Heisman, and they'll start putting you in the top twenty five. So maybe Gundy should just go out and and make Gundy branded gear oh, and, and declare his oh, son no. the quarterback, and and they, they might jump him in the rankings. You never know. Poor, poor kid. Yeah, well, I mean, they'll just put out, I don't know, Gary Grundle or whoever. It, it'll be it'll be it'll be Gundy and then Garrett Grungle or Wrangle or whatever the hell. That sounds like a garbage. Sounds like a rather sounds like a Grundle. A rather untrustworthy shopkeeper from the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> I know Garrett, Gary Grungle instead of Garrett Randall. <laughs> Gary Grundle. Gary, Gr- Gary Grundle. Was, I knew his name. I knew was his known. name was Randall. Yeah. I knew his. I knew his name was Grungle. I heard. I really that, didn't I heard that, any respect yeah. on his name. I heard that Gary Grungle was a key facilitator <laughs> for for uh, 
Snape and for uh, Voldemort. I mean, it checks out. You know, is anyone checked to see if oh, you know he has the God. you know if he's a Death Eater? I don't know. Anyways, oh yeah, let's back go back to o- OU, and I kind of want to talk about Rondell Bothride as well from uh, Wake Forest. Six sacks, like we need that. We need that so bad. Uh, OU's pass rush was one of the biggest things in terms of our defense being poor this season. Uh, it's when you don't have a pass rush, your quarterback gets all the time they want on third down. And guess what? OU plays a zone. They play a zone. So whenever you play a zone and you can't get to the quarterback on obvious passing downs, you are really in trouble because people are just going to pick it apart. No zone can hold on forever. There's eventually going to be a break in the zone. It's not like if you're playing man and eventually, you know, like you're going to get a guy that can just put on an island and stay with this guy for 10 seconds. Don't do that in zone. So six sacks from Rondo Brothride. You guys know who, um, what, let you, I'll just give you a quiz question. Um, the leading sacker on this team, how many did they, how many sacks did they have? Seven. Just a guess. Five. It was four and a half. So Bobby was Oof. right about there. Four and a half was our leading sacker. And that was Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes both tied for four and a half sacks. Yeah. yeah. Like Reggie Grimes had 19 tackles and four and a half sacks and pretty much disappeared at the end of the season. Jalen Redman had four um, and he only had 23 tackles on the season. We need pass rushers. Like it's, very, very apparent. Our Mason Thomas was about the only guy, and he got a lot of QB pressures. He didn't really finish the job many times because he still needs to put on weight to be a defensive end and an edge rusher. He's a true freshman. Rondo Bothright's been there and done that. He's gotten six sacks in the ACC. I think he should be a good piece. And not, I'm not faulting guys like Jonah Laulu because I think that he was really good. But if he could go out and produce more than a transfer like Jonah Laulu did – Man, I mean, that's something that we're looking for and that can be a contributor on this team. He's the guy that I've been most excited about in our in our transfer portal game. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, absolutely. It's um reinforcing that D-line. Enormous. And I, I just I'm 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 excited about it. I know we were excited about Lyulu last year, but like even then, like really thinking about not even comparative, um, you know, what what um this Wake Forest guy was able to to do um, with uh, Bothroyd. I don't know how to pronounce the yeah. last name. I'm... I don't know. We're we're gonna botch every single last name until we hear it. Actually, until we hear it, it's gonna be wrong in the TV. I need the media guides to pronounce everything because I'm pretty sure oh, I yeah. pronounced a lot of people's names wrong at the beginning of the season last year. That's fair. That's fair. I do uh, want to touch on. Go ahead, Ty. You got it. Just real real quick note. I, I want to touch on for for people. Uh, it should be noted that through the portal and then also through recruiting, but what we're starting to see, obviously Venables didn't come in with that short of notice realistically, but we're starting to see the actual system be built here. Uh, you have to remember if you want to compare the things that Venables comes from, he, he comes from the K state program in the nineties. He comes from OU obviously, as we all know, and then he comes from that Clemson program. All of those were very fundamental programs they were not you know success in a day stories they did the basics they did it the right way they just built up fundamentally their program the 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 very bedrock the very foundation of a venables program 
is that D line. So all of these, you know, big D line transfers coming in, uh, the guy from Oklahoma state specifically, you know, you look at his, his comments, he has, I guess one, well, you never know with the COVID year thing, I guess, but he has one year probably at, at OU. And he, he straight up said, you know, Hey, he's got, it's he's a got two years eligibility. Okay. Years. Yeah. But it's a, it's a business decision. He's coming here to get developed and get his resume built. And it, it was not a, Oh, I want to go here because they have a better chance of winning the conference or they have a better chance of winning whatever he knew that Venables has a proven track record with, with D line guys. And that really is, he's very hands-on with the defense as we all know as a head coach, but we're really starting to see the Venable system be built. And I'm not at all excusing what happened last year. What happened last year should not have occurred because now we're in the off season should not have occurred. That was not a good showing. You know, I'm not saying we should have won the big 12, but we lost a lot of games that we should not have lost. And, and it's, it's inexcusable regardless with the amount of money you're making the situation, you know, it was not a overnight thing. Um, but we're starting to see the system be built and and there's no reason to lose faith, especially when we're seeing the right things. I don't think it's recruiting and star power and everything else is so important in college football right now. It is not sort of trying to, to make the storyline sound better than it is. It's not propaganda or whatever else you want to call it to be very hopeful about this OU team coming into the next year because we're seeing the right things. You know, I, Venables going out and recruiting and getting big name D line guys, I think is more important than him going and getting quarterbacks one. Cause he's not known for it, but those are the guys that we know he can develop. And those are the guys that are the bedrock of his programs. So very exciting to see that stuff. And I think that was an important point that we got to mention. Not only that, but like that defense doesn't work without great defensive line play. We saw it this year. It falls apart when you, when you can't create pressure, it all just, it's a house of cards. So improving that is so, so important. And if the guys they got can really make an impact and really turn this thing around, then the defense is going to be far, far better. You're right though. Like it shouldn't have been the way it was. Um, we should have won more games regardless of how your guys fit the system, etc. But at the same time, if you, if you want to run that system, you have to have the guys to be that successful. It's just, mm. yeah, it's, it's no excuse. People can find reasons why we did bad. We just, we did bad. A lot of things didn't go our way. A lot of late, um, one possession games didn't go our way. Um, so it was just a bad season. We're just going to take it and stride and learn from it, hopefully into next season. Uh, but you've got to stay optimistic about this football team. I understand, you know, people have their different thoughts about Dylan Gabriel and, Oh, put Jackson Arnold in as a true freshman. You don't want that. Jackson Arnold's looked up to Dylan Gabriel and you want to have a little bit of buffer time for a true freshman coming in, especially at a big program like OU. I don't want Jackson Arnold to come in with all these high expectations right off off the bat and then start day one and then something doesn't go wrong and we spoil them early. Like, it is easy to be spoiled. OU fans will go out and turn on people so fast. They could say this Jackson Arnold is the future. He's the next bigger Mayfield. I've heard all these crazy things. Um, I think he's really talented, but whenever you talk about the next Baker Mayfield, I still think that's just a ridiculous thing to say. And then if he had a bad couple of games, start the season as a true freshman, I'd be guaranteeing you'd be hearing 
people talking bad about him on Twitter. Um, we've got a system next season to where hopefully we can go out and give a better product and hopefully we start hitting our stride. Like as Jimmy said in the chat, whenever Schmidty's had now two and a half, three years with, with the team. Now those uh, Venables guys are coming into the recruiting class and are becoming sophomores, becoming juniors and are integrating into the main rotations. And we're starting to see what his vision was. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It's a multi-year process. He said it from the beginning, but you got to be better. You do. And look, we have a whole off season to talk about what, you know, what, what better is good enough for this year. Um, yeah, save our content, we'll, save our content, yeah, save our content, <laughs> save our content, save our content, but we'll get into that. Um, guys, I think that's pretty much all we have for this evening. Like you said, save our content. Uh, Jameson, Ty, any final thoughts? Yeah, give, let's give a shout out to the Capital One Bowl Mania ESPN against the spread winners of our um, that our podcast put on. Um, if you guys didn't join it, uh, that's a bummer because we keep, we're giving away $150 to the top three, um, $100 to number one, 35 to number two, and 15 to number three. And who would have thought the guy that made the Bowl Mania goes out and he's number one. So, so everyone, Bobby is number one. Does he deserve the hundred dollar prize? Uh, First of all, I, what I, do y'all think? I, I oh. do. I do deserve it, but because I'm a, a, a uh, I don't know. I, I don't need, I, all I needed was the glory. I needed the glory of, of completely just. Bobby was about to say, I don't need group. the money. <laughs> I no, I'm good. I'm good. I have, I, I, I have I'm 28 and 15. I was in the 99.7 percentile. The glory was all I needed. So what I'm going to do... No, he's... What? What? I was going to say, you've got a good point. Because it had to be one of us to win. Not because the financial situation were fine there, but it... Oh, yeah. If we if we didn't win, like, have we just gotten stomped? We, we would have lost were, all credibility. Like, three of we us were in to the top good. seven of this. So It like, would have been a little we frustrating. There. Yeah. No, we I... Were, we yeah, were right y'all were there. Y'all were there. You just weren't anywhere really close to me, and that's no, fine. No, not even close to Bobby. He, no. he crushed. It, it could have it could have been even better, honestly. I made a couple dumb picks there, but it's all good. Um, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna redistribute it. You know, I, I just um, I guess looking at this number two, shout out to uh, Tom Gary. Uh, his 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 group entry was Gary Patterson's tears. Uh, he finished. Huber. He yeah, Huber finished. Uh, he finished second, but in this case, he finished first. And then we also have uh, Z Singer's picks too. Um, he, they tied with uh jordan bernhardy's picks one so you know what we're gonna do we're, we're because it's 25 it's, to each it's, it's three and three each. 25 25 each 25 each that works so um yeah if you are on that list make sure to uh dm us on twitter at schooner pod um and we will get that sorted out um and yeah so cool but you know i i i, I cannot accept the prize even though, I, uh, you know, it can be fun, but, you know, the victory is what matters the most. So the Bobby says he doesn't need the money. You heard it. He's withholding all of our Skinner pod funds from us. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm holding him hostage. Well, hey, look, technically, I'm the one who gets taxed on all of them. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> tax free, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I guess we're we're now making enough to be taxed. 
Yes, we we I, I am taxed on this. It's a bummer, but it's okay. It's not that much. It's not enough. It's not enough to, to really take a ding, but it is technically my money. If you but want I, us to be taxed even more, go sign up DraftKings promo code TPPN. Usually Ty hits it with the plug, but let me tell you something. We would be happy to give the United States of America some more money if you gave us a little bit more as well. I honestly don't know enough about taxes to be talking about this on live I, record. So I should I probably just stop now that I think I about it. Yes, cut us off because I know like so little about taxes. Ugh. Anyways, this has been the Schooner Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're in that the state of that sort of thing, make sure you use promo code TPPN. Bet on some NFL games. It's 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 gonna be hype. Uh, and of course, our partners at um uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network. And of course, the IRS. Please do not come after me. All right. For the Scooter Pod, <laughs> this, I'm your host, Bobby Howard. On behalf of me, Anti, and Jameson, thank y'all so much for listening. The offseason awaits, folks. We'll see you next time.